You know, this um, verse from the Psalms this morning reminded me of a little song that we used to sing in the car with Rosie, and many of you will be probably familiar with this. We used to sing this song in the car with Rosie as we were coming to the army on a Sunday morning, and I even found a little video of her singing this when she was maybe about two or three. So let's have a watch of this just now, see if you can make it out. Thank you, Jamie. Bravo, bravo! <laughs> and me as well. We're going to the army, we're going to the army, we're going where the biggest blessings flow. We've heard the big drum beating, calling us to the meeting. We've got the army fever, so we must go. I think that um, that might be the Salvation Army's paraphrase of this verse in the Psalms. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Both this verse and that song are about coming to worship and celebrating the presence of God in our lives. And we should be joyful and excited about that. Philip Yancey tells the story of a small child in church one Sunday who was turning around and smiling at everyone. He wasn't chatting, spitting, humming, or tearing the songbook apart. He was just smiling. Suddenly, his mother jerked him around in a stage whisper that everyone could hear said, Stop that grinning! You're in church! Well, the small child turned around with sadness in his face. You know that puppy dog face that they put on when they're told off. And his mum says to him, That's better and return to her prayers. Coming to worship shouldn't be like that. Psalm 110.22 is about going to worship from an idealized point of view. We all know that going to church isn't always glamorous. And we often walk through the doors with a bad attitude and poor motives. And our hearts are not often in the right place. And at the same time, the church in itself is not perfect. Churches have never been perfect, and they never will, especially in this age of people deconstructing their faith. And a lot of that deconstruction comes through heavy criticism of the church. And that's why Psalm 122 comes as a complete shock to the system. It conveys nothing but positivity towards worship. And what we learn is that despite the church's foibles, We need to all do all that we can to experience joy and unity and and peace and worship when we gather together. So what are the things that should excite us about coming to worship and being a follower of Jesus? Well, the first thing that perhaps should excite us is that we are new creations. Everyone likes new things, don't they? New clothes we can't wait to wear unless you're my husband who puts them in the the wardrobe and then doesn't wear them for ages. What is that all about? Who does that apart from him? It's just so weird. And what about a new car? We all love the smell of a new car. You can can even get an air freshener now, can't you? New car, air freshener smell. And, of course, a new baby. Everyone just has to hold. There's nothing like that, and we've had plenty of joy from that in this score, haven't we? A new book. When Rosie gets a new book, she loves to smell it. But you can't wait to be captivated by it. New bedding, such a lovely feeling when you lie down in your new bedding, isn't it? And a new house and all the potential of what it will look like. 
Why do new things excite us? Because they are fresh. They are untarnished. There's so much excitement and potential in them. And when we, are made, when we made our way to God, we were unclean, stained, abused by the sin of the world. But God didn't just apply some super glue to our broken bits. He didn't just put some vanish over the stains and a plaster over the scars that sin had left on our lives. He didn't cover up, but he removed the imperfections and made us into new beings. A woman testified to the transformation that had taken place in her life through a Christian conversion. I'm so glad I got religion, she declared. I have an uncle I used to hate so much I vowed I'd never go to his funeral. But now, wow, I'd be happy to go to it any time. A new way of living is exciting. Here's what scripture says about it in 2 Corinthians 5, where it reminds us that if anyone anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. What a reason to be excited today that that in our lives everything has been made new in Christ. We have been made in his image. So let's be excited about being new creations in God. And as Isaiah says, put on garments of praise. Put on new clothing on our new creations. Second reason, that we are loved unconditionally. We all enjoy that warm feeling that washes over us when we experience being loved. I'm not referring to that sort of romance and infatuation, which perhaps we felt when we were younger. That sort of love doesn't last, but I'm talking about real love. Real love endures a lifetime. Real love sees beyond our flaws and imperfection and loves us despite all our shortcomings. Last week in our worship, we looked at that prayer Paul wrote to the Ephesians, asking that we would be rooted and established in that love that God has for us, because it's then we know who we really are, and we are loved unconditionally. This, of course, is the kind of love that God expressed on Calvary. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5, but God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were so undeserving, but God in the middle of of our vilest state, uh, and therefore completely unworthy of his love, loved us with an unconditional love. What a reason to get excited when we were, to all intents and purposes, unlovable, he loved us. And our third reason, that we have the victory. You know, in in Butterfly Group, we've been making trousers, this project of making trousers. Now, I love to watch the the great British sewing bee, but I have never done any sewing or made any kind of garment before. I've never used a sewing machine. So I thought that I would have a go at this challenge. And here... It's the finished product. Look! Look at my trousers! Aren't they cool? I'm not so sure they're so great with my Salvation Army t shirt. I need to work on a new top for that now. But here they are the finished product. And I think I've done a really good job, actually. Don't look at it too closely, but the seams are a bit wonky. But it's pretty good. There's nothing like that feeling of achieving something. And winning a challenge, is there? Everyone loves to win. When you win, there's a thrill that fills your heart that is unmatched. You've met the challenge and you've come out victorious. Isn't that a great feeling? But from a Christian point of view, in ourselves, we're not able to stand against the enemy. 
of our soul and win. But that battle is far too great for us in our own might and in our own strength. But Philippians 4 reminds us, of course, that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Through him, we have the victory. In our own strength, we are not able to accomplish too much. But in our weakness, his power is displayed. 2 Corinthians 12 reminds us that for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In him, we have the victory. So here are some things that should excite us about being followers of Jesus and about coming to worship and that we should find joy in. But the devil's desire is to keep us in the clutches of fear, sadness and discontent. And just as much as we need to be reminded of the reasons why we should be excited, we need to be alert to the hindrances which threaten to rob us of that excitement and joy. So what are maybe some of the hindrances to our excitement? Well, firstly, it's a failure to maintain a a level of expectancy. What was on your mind this morning as you woke up? Oh no, I have to get up. It's Sunday, I could just do with a lazy day and a lion. Or, oh, it's Sunday! I can't wait to see what God's going to do today. Every day should be another day that we expect something great from God. When we don't expect it, we cannot see God for who he really is. Creator, Savior, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and Heavenly Father. And instead we focus on the the stuff that's around us. the, The jobs, the bills, the relationships, the illnesses, the failures. But when we ask and look expectantly, we get from Matthew 21, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Last week, Paul prayed that God would do more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. Do we really expect him to do that? Or is it just words to to us? What is your level of expectancy of God today? And secondly, well, surrounded by negative people. Every day we encounter all kinds of people. Excited, sad, content, grumpy, Christian, non-believer. And when we spend time with them, they are, they can, they are, what they, who they are can influence who we become. If they're negative, we, can, we can't allow their lives to stop the flow of joy in our hearts. Self-help advice and quotes tell us to surround ourselves with happy, positive, and like-minded people. But actually, that's not reality. We can't avoid these people. And actually, we shouldn't, because how else are they going to see the joy of the Lord? But when we walk in the joy that God brings into our lives, we will also walk in the power and strength that will enable us to not be pulled down by them. One of my favorite Bible verses in Nehemiah 8, which says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if we remember that joy, then whoever we're faced with, we are given the strength to remain joyful. We know that the more time we spend with God, the stronger our relationship becomes. The stronger our relationship, the greater our joy in him. But the greater our joy in Christ, the greater a threat we become to, to Satan. So Satan sets out to distract us, to hinder us from our walk. And 1 Peter 5 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now it doesn't say anything in that Bible verse about him attacking us. It just says that he prowls around. 
making his presence known, distracting us, and making us negative, fearful, insecure. When this happens, we lose our excitement and our joy in the Lord. So as Peter says in Peter, be alert to that. So how do we maintain our excitement? Elijah on Mount Carmel must have been very excited as the fire fell from heaven and consumed a sacrifice, discrediting the prophets of the false god Baal. It must have stirred his spirit to hear the nation of Israel turn back to God. Wow. But after it was all over and, and Jezebel had made her threats, it seemed that all, the all of life had been sucked right out of Elijah. Have you experienced ever a mountaintop experience and then soon afterwards stand face to face with a trial that destroys all your joy and excitement? I know I have. It's quite common. So how do you keep that joy and that excitement? Well, firstly, we're advised um, to dwell in the presence of God. Psalm 91 has those beautiful words that says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's not enough to just visit that place of God every now and again. We need to dwell. Remember, we looked at that word dwell last week, to make ourselves at home in that place. The place where we begin and end the day. The place where we find rest and love and security. The place that we're there just all the time. We're told to renew our minds. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't just fall in with what everyone around is saying and doing. Instead, set our minds on Christ, and that requires us daily to get rid of the rubbish and the lies and start afresh and seek his will for us. We will never know the good will of God, let alone the pleasing or perfect will of God, if our minds are not renewed daily. And thirdly, we don't carry our burdens. 1 Peter 5 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now for some people that's a security. There's a security in carrying their burdens around and oversharing perhaps their circumstances of life. But it's not really fulfilling. And it's not exciting, and it doesn't bring joy. A man joined a monastery, and in this particular order, he could only say two words a year. The first year, he said, bed hard. The second year, he said, food bad. The third year, he said, I quit. The head monk answered and said, doesn't surprise me, you've done nothing but complain since you've been here. Don't carry the burdens around. Leave our unhappiness at the feet of God and choose joy. Matt Redman writes in his book, 10,000 Reasons, which is a great book, and I really recommend you to read it. He says this, The dark night of the soul closes in on all of us at one time or another. And when it does, we're faced with a choice. Will we join Paul and Silas as they sing their hearts out to Jesus in the shadows? God is looking for the kind of worshipper who, just like the nightingale, knows how to bring him a song in the night. Cast your burdens on him. So what will happen when we're excited? Well, Firstly, the battle might not seem as hard. 
Just because you're excited with God doesn't mean that you'll not face battles. Attacks will come at you, hard battles will stand in front of you, but the way you handle these battles will change. When you're excited about God, perhaps gloom and fear and doubt will find it hard to bring you down. Of course, you still have bad days. I'd say that yesterday was up there in my list of rubbish days because we're not in heaven yet. Moses had, has, his, has his days of anger and frustration. He broke the tablets that God had written on. He struck the rock. He missed going to the promised land. Elijah had Jezebel wanting to kill him. Poor Job had everything going on for him. For Abraham, God tested him with his sacrifice of his son. Jacob had to put up with Leah because of his, his father-in-law had tricked him into marrying the wrong daughter. David had Goliath. Jonah had the whale. Paul had jail. Jesus was faced with temptations in the cross. But let's go back to Nehemiah 8:10. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. We can face all those battles and those bad days with an attitude of excitement for God because you know the ultimate, which Paul writes in Romans 8, and we know that in him all things and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And the second and final thing, what happens when we're excited? Of course, probably the most important thing, that others are drawn to what you have. This is what Christ meant when he told us to let our light shine before others. When we're filled with the joy of the Lord, others will be drawn to us. That's what happens when we're excited and about, about following Jesus in our faith. A Sunday school teacher was questioning her children after a lesson on God's omnipotence. Now, children, she asked, is there anything God can't do? Well, the minister, stunned, thrust his hand into the air. The teacher, feeling certain she, he had missed the point in the lesson, asked half-heartedly, well, just what is it that God can't do? And the boy replied, well, I heard Dad say yesterday that even God can't make everybody at this church happy. Let me assure you that Rosie and Katie have never heard me say that. But when you are excited... It spreads and it grows in the lives of everyone you come into contact with. And so we need to be accountable to each other in this place about this because if we're not, we're, we're not going to grow. People want something and somewhere that's full of the joy of the Lord. If, you, if what you have from God does not lift you, does not excite you, does not stir you to celebrate, then the world will look at you and, and tell you, I don't want what you have. We should have a reason to be excited, to be happy, to celebrate our Lord today. He loves us unconditionally. He made us new, and through him we are victorious. So let's make sure we live that out. There's a beautiful song of praise and adoration taken from Psalm 48 that I just want us to sing to God this morning. It's a song of dedication and affirmation of our commitment to God also. And it says these words, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. The city of our God, the holy praise, the joy of the whole earth. Great is the Lord in whom we have the victory. He aids us against the enemy. We bow down on our knees. And Lord, we want to lift your name on high. And Lord, we want to thank you for the work you've done in our lives. And Lord, we trust in your unfailing love. For you alone are God eternal. Through our earth and heaven above well let's in these moments just reaffirm our love reaffirm our commitment to him and reaffirm 
our adoration as we tell him how much he means to us. And um, in so doing, build up our strength in knowing his joy. Let's sing these beautiful words to him together just now. Lord God for the opportunity of worship for the freedom to be amongst your family meeting together in your house and in the warmth of your embrace 
Thank you that in worship we can put aside the uncertainties of this world and rest upon the certainties of the kingdom. For your promises are not changeable, but immovable and eternal. Thank you that we can bring to your feet all the hurts and the fears that trouble us and leave them there, knowing that in your strength and assurance are all that we require. Thank you that as we draw near in worship, we are transported from a world of concerns and fears to a place where we can be at peace in your presence, find healing, wholeness and refreshment. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity of worship. And we praise you and thank you in the name of Jesus who made all this possible. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.